0: Hey, Caleb, have you read that book that we were going to review yet?
1: Yes, definitely. I definitely have. I may have read it all today, but I definitely did read it. Yep.
2: Cool. I didn't read it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is The Christian Artist, honoring Christ through creativity. My name is Caleb.
2: My name is Connor.
0: And my name is Carly.
1: And we're here, and we're going to talk about this book. But yes, we're here, and we're going to review "Before the Throne" by Alan Nelson the Fourth. Does he does he go by Alan S. Nelson the Fourth? Does he use? I don't that know. Is? That's what's on the book. Is that what's on the book? Alan S. Nelson the Fourth. Yeah. Well, that's what we'll use then. Alan S. Nelson the First, Fourth. So um, you can find him at Quattro Nelson on Twitter. Um, we're mutuals on Twitter, so that's cool. And, uh, he always has really insightful things to say. He's a pastor, and he wrote this fantastic book. And he, uh, a while ago, in June, he, uh, was talking about his book that had just come out, and he was like, hey, anyone, any, like, podcasts or blogs or whatever that want to review the book, I'll send you a free copy. And so I was like, well, yeah, we'll do that. And then I, uh, sent the free copy Carly's way, and then I went ahead and bought it on a Kindle. And uh, Carly read it, and I did not, and months passed, and here we are in uh, December of this year, almost six almost six months after, and uh, we're here. And wow, Connor, are you going to be any louder with that applesauce? I could. <laughs> you want to test me again? No, I don't. But uh, yeah, we're going to... Carly and I have read...
2: sauce is gone and I have a cookie
1: <laughs> Carly and I have read uh, before the throne um and I yes I read the entire 210 page book today because I am the king of procrastination <laughs> but I did really enjoy the book and I have things to talk about there's lots of stuff that we can talk about with this book so I'm excited to do so but uh, another thing that's cool about this episode is uh, we're going to be giving away a free copy of the book which is i think the first time we've ever done anything like that we've never had any sort of sponsorship <laughs> in any capacity um but uh the author contacted me today when i um tweeted we were going to be doing this episode and he said hey you know i'll provide a free copy to send to one of your listeners if you want to you know do a giveaway or whatever and i was like heck yeah so <laughs> that's what we're gonna do uh, i think the plan was originally, if we had a, a bigger kind of live viewership, we were going to go ahead and uh, give away on the Twitch here, uh, but seeing as only Peyton is in <laughs> chat right now, uh, I'm not just going to give it to Peyton, we'll, we'll do like some sort of giveaway thing. So I think what we're going to do, and I'll remind everybody at the end of the episode too <clears throat> about this, but uh, at the... Um, when I publish this episode. So it'll be on um, on YouTube, on my YouTube channel, which is linked here in, in the Twitch stuff um, below. Or on the website um, at ChristianArtistShow.com. Both of those places have comment, sec- comment sections where these episodes end up. And uh, if you just want to comment and say, hey, I want to be entered into the uh, free drawing thing. And uh, we'll add your name and then we'll... Draw a name and then, you know, give you a free book. Uh, so that's cool. And it looks like we have Grand Admiral Uno in chat. Hello, Chad. <laughs> and he says, Connor, we haven't met, but you're the man. <laughs> and not in a Nathan sense. I don't think he means. I don't think he means Nathan the prophet talking to David sense. I think he means, like, you're cool. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. This is the chat. I don't we've know been what you're complimenting about. me about, but. He's been—he's the guy Thank who's you. been listening to all of our episodes. So, since when? Since the last month or two, he's just okay. been like binging them. So okay,
2: I was like listen to all our episodes. Like,
1: there are a few people who've done that before. Right? Yes, yeah, true. But he's yeah, he just found out about a, about a month ago and has been binging them ever since. So, uh, he appreciates you <laughs> and the stuff you, you have to say. Yeah, I appreciate that. Peyton says he certainly is a man in quotation marks. I don't know what that's <laughs> supposed to mean, Peyton. Thanks, but Peyton. Thank you for I can always the expect comment. things like that from you. <laughs> mm-hmm. You always can. Always can. Peyton came up to me the other day right after church. It seems like he it seems like he had a very, very urgent thing to tell me, and he came up to me after church and he said, Caleb, did you know that great wolves actually can't speak human language unless they have the trait high speech? <laughs> He's talking about our burning wheel stuff and i was like oh, thank you peyton i did need to know that that is incredibly important and i'm glad you told me um and that was not sarcasm at all so <laughs> anyway we're gonna talk about before the throne what is this book about carly
0: it's about god's holiness yeah. that's a subtitle reflections on god's holiness
1: uh-huh yes indeed and i guess first and, and Connor's on because, you know, he's a regular co-host. And even though he didn't read the book, I'm sure he'll have things to say. I didn't even know the that there of God. was a book to I definitely told you. <laughs> we no talked way. about it
0: months ago, but no. it's fun. I also, mentioned it, I no also
1: mentioned it like last week. So I mm-hmm. definitely did. I think I might have even done it on the podcast last <laughs> yeah, week when you were on. We yep. <laughs> so you have no excuse. You could have read it. You could have read it in a, in a week. Not that long. Anyway. Um, but I'm sure you'll have things to say about the holiness of God. So, obviously, you're still very welcome on this podcast. So, <laughs> Carly, what did you think? What do you think of the book?
0: Um, I thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, I read it, like, months ago. So, it's not as fresh in my memory as it is in Caleb's. But um, just overall, it was, like, me as a Reformed person and having been Reformed already for a while, I was, like, I was understanding it very easily um, because it wasn't super complicated and it wasn't super, um, it wasn't super like wordy in the sense that it, it got difficult to understand when certain things were phrased Mm -hmm. um, differently. Um, And when I finished the book, I was like, this would be a really good book for someone that's like, just, just starting to look into reform theology because it's, it just kind of eases you in enough that, Like it roughs you, it roughs you up around enough edges that it gets you thinking about really important biblical things. Yeah, for sure. But it doesn't, it doesn't push you so hard that you're like, okay, I feel like I need to completely reject this because I'm disagreeing with everything. Mm -hmm. Like he gets into the reasoning of why the holiness of God matters in every way that it does and how we apply that to how we worship God, how we serve God, how we evangelize and everything Mm
1: -hmm. so forth Mm -hmm. from that. Absolutely. Yeah, I also felt the same way. It was definitely a really good primer on the holiness of God, really good for a person who's interested in learning about theology but maybe doesn't necessarily have the isn't you know super wide read in that um field. Yeah. But yeah, as you said, right? It's a definitely it would be a really good book to give anyone um I feel who's at all privy to studying theology or even as a book to be like hey studying theology is important and cool you should take a mm-hmm. look at this book it would be a really good book to 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 give to someone i honestly once i finished reading the book i was just like i kind of want to buy this book for all of my pastors that would be kind of <laughs> cool yeah. um i did uh, end up giving a whole bunch of books that we got from g3 to my pastors i think i i got a copy of I also have a lot of those. Yeah, you do. Well, cuz they were there were so many and even after yeah. they gave away all the ones to like everybody had a copy who wanted one, there were still more. And so you could just keep <laughs> taking copies. It was crazy. <laughs> but I got um uh like a whole bunch of copies of Expository Exaltation from John Piper and I was like, "Well, that's a pastor book. Like, let's um, right. let's I'm going to grab a bunch of those and give them all my all my pastors." Um it was so funny when I gave it to Pastor Jeff he looked at me he's like are you trying to tell me something caleb like (laughs) trying to tell me that my preaching isn't good and but he was totally joking and he appreciated it so um but uh yeah uh definitely a really good book and and as you said right like a good book to give to someone who maybe is starting to get into reform theology and it pairs well with a book that's similar um rc sproul's the holiness of god which is also considered a very good like first introduction to the a uh, first, like, um, sort of what's it called? uh, Gateway drug to reform <laughs> theology, right? Because you're you're kind of focusing on. I mean, really, that's what reform theology and and I say reform theology, and and uh, I, I can tell that Chad is about to to write in chat and be like, "Wait, you guys are equating reform theology with Calvinism again?" Um, the doctrines of grace, yeah, and the extrapolation of thus, um definitely good um these are good gateway drugs good um primers on the core of that concept which is the holiness of god right the the reason that we care so much about the doctrines of grace and about um just uh well i mean really the other things that go along with uh, a fully orb reformed theology um are very much centered on the holiness of God being central to the Christian life and central to yeah. us as um, worshipers of God. Um, like it says pretty early on in this book, um, I'll, I'll grab a pull quote from the introduction. He quotes Dr. Al Muller and says, um, if we begin with a wrong conception of God, we will misconstrue the entirety of the Christian faith. So right. Having a proper understanding of who God is and, particularly that he is holy and that shapes everything about who God is and and is a part of every attribute of God. Um, That is where we have to start if you're trying to um, encourage someone to look into what is considered the doctrines of grace or a more biblical Protestant perspective on soteriology and so on and so forth. Um, But yeah, I mean... I read the whole book today, and there's a lot of really good stuff in it. Mm -hmm. A lot of really good stuff. And uh, Alan Nelson is a fantastic communicator. I think he does a Mm -hmm. really good job of writing in a way that's understandable, but also provocative and has a really good – I mean, you can tell he's a pastor because I think he has a really good – sense of balancing personal anecdotes and stories with a fully orbed exegesis of the text Mm -hmm. that he's studying. And so the, the two primary passages that are being studied in, in this book are, um, Isaiah six and revelation four. And, uh, he does a really good job of, uh, particularly Isaiah six, one through seven and revelation four, five through 11. (laughs) Um, when we have pictures of God's holiness and, uh, of God's throne, which is where the title kind of comes from before the throne. And that uh, gives us a really good picture as he exegetes it of what God's holiness is and how it impacts everything about God and being a Christian. Any other general thoughts, Carly and then Connor as well, if you have any general thoughts on the holiness of God and what we talked about so far.
0: Um, I mean, I think it was super helpful that he divided up, The entire book in chapters that are all addressing god's holiness in its different attributes um so like just go to the table of contents and um all of the the well they're all you words which i didn't realize until (laughs) now but it's undoubtable holiness, unspeakable holiness, untamable, unblemishable, unmatchable, unquestionable, uncontainable, unchangeable, unapproachable, uncompromising, unborable, and unquenchable.
1: He definitely makes up a few words
0: in the process. Yeah, so. <laughs> but um, yeah, but it, they all speak very directly to the fact that, like, God's holiness, there is so much that we can know about God's holiness, and I think... He, he talks, correct me if I'm wrong, because I may be remembering this from another book, but he talks about how there's things that we can never quite understand about God's holiness, mm-hmm. like scripture gives us a lot, but there are things that we won't be able to grasp on earth mm-hmm. um, because God's just that holy. But there are things like he he has every chapter as something that makes a claim about God's holiness there are so many things that we can know about it that why are we not studying it? Mm -hmm. Because it's such, it's such an important thing and there is so much that we can't know about it. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. And to a greater extent, I mean, that's really what the pursuit of theology is. It's, it's an understanding that you will never know everything there is to know about God, but that's why you study theology, because there is an inexhaustible well of amazing things to be found in the character and, and being of God and uh, understanding who you are in reference to God. Um, and so even though language has its limits and fails us in describing the attributes of God and um, we can't fully grasp what something like the holiness of God truly is, we can still, well, for, you know, primarily we can still understand much about it because of God's revealed word. And that's one of the primary things that he emphasizes early on in the book is that the reason why we can know that God is holy and what that holiness looks like is because God has revealed it to us in sacred Mm -hmm. scripture. Um, And if if he hadn't deigned to do that, it would be truly impossible to ever understand anything about God's holiness. But because God has lowered himself down to our level in some capacity to explain it to us through human language, we can still understand some of it at least. And that is more than enough to help us understand who we are who god is and how we should respond to god as a result of the attribute of holiness
2: mm-hmm.
1: so connor you have any thoughts no <laughs> <laughs> I f- it's kind of interesting <laughs> i don't think we've ever Can done you- an episode like this before like, <laughs> where connor's just kind of like well
2: but you enduring. guys have things to to base everything you're talking off of yeah. you know I
1: mean you've read the Bible, Connor. <laughs> Are you kidding me? It's so big. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um but yeah, okay, let's maybe do this then. Um do we want to grab some of the questions from the book? Yeah. And talk about them. Um Let's see, maybe each I'm trying to think of uh, how we want to exactly go about doing that. Um, I kind of just highlighted some of the questions as I went.
0: Yeah, so did I. I circled a few of them.
1: Yeah, do we want to just go to each – at the end of each chapter and just kind of each pick one and then see how far we get before we were like, all right, we need to be done with this. Um, Peyton in chat says, Connor has no thoughts. He is not a man. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Sharp dig from Peyton.
2: Okay. mean well
1: <laughs> so the one let's see from chapter one the one the first one that I highlighted was what does it mean that god has spoken to us in baby talk in scripture that was one of the points that he made earlier on in the book is that um he gave an analogy of uh let's see see if i can find it um
0: sure that's chapter
1: one yeah i think so maybe it's chapter two yes it's, chapter, it's chapter two, two. Yeah. i just skipped through chapter <laughs> one completely i don't know what i was doing never mind chapter one <laughs> ignore me um here's one that i i highlighted how should we handle a person that seems to cut up the Bible by either blatantly disregarding certain teachings of Scripture or by overemphasizing certain portions of the Bible while neglecting others? What if the person is a new believer? What if they are a pastor or teacher in the church?
0: That's the same one I circled. <laughs> yep.
1: It's a good one. It's a good one.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, what's the answer? Punch him in the face. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Just kidding. I mean, that was one of the points that he made um, early on in the book, because in chapter one, he talks about Jehoiakim, um, who's uh, um, one of the bad kings of Israel who got God's word and then rejected it. And so he made the point that even if you're not physically cutting up the Bible like Jehoiakim was, um, you you could cut up the Bible metaphorically by blatantly disregarding certain teachings or overemphasizing certain portions of the Bible while neglecting others, So basically creating a God in your own mind by picking and choosing scripture. So how do we handle a person like that? Like, how do we respond? Let's just say if this is a friend of yours, how do you respond to something like that?
0: Um, I mean, most, obviously, you would want to point out their error. And, um, <laughs> Don't ignore it, that's first step. <laughs> yeah, and tell them what is actually true based on scripture. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Let me just do that by calling them names and telling them that they're an absolute nope. jerk. No? Oh, okay. I got that wrong, then. Nope. <laughs> what book are you guys reading? <laughs> just playing devil's advocate, Connor. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I mean, right, obviously still with grace and truth and also uh, keeping in mind the, um, the command in Matthew 7 to not judge hypocritically. Um, yeah. If you do the exact same thing, but you just don't like the way that some other person does it. Uh, don't you know, get your get the, the log out of your own eye before you try to get the speck out of your brother's eye. So make sure that you are not doing the same thing before uh, correcting your brother. But also following through in Matthew, um, where it says later Matthew and uh, go to your brother one on one and tell you know tell them about this, um, about how. I mean, because really, right, like we can't truly understand God properly if we are doing stuff like that because we are going to come up with a a subpar view of who God is. And that's dangerous, not only in a sense where, oh, wow, this person could lead others astray and this is a sin, but also like you care about this person if they're a person who claims to be a Christian and you should talk to them about it, right?
0: so Yeah. so then the other two questions that are part of that what mm-hmm. if the person is a new believer and then what if they are a pastor or teacher in the church
1: connor what do you think okay so said again do you mean if they're a pastor and a new believer no those are two separate No, questions. those are
0: two different questions
1: and what was the first part how should we handle a person that seems to cut up the Bible by either blatantly disregarding certain th- teachings of scripture or by overemphasizing certain portions of the Bible while neglecting others? So cherry picking. Um,
2: I mean, <laughs> trying to get you involved. I know. I know, I was content to listen, but no. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, like you said, obviously with grace and truth, but there comes a point when truth matters more than what a person might feel because there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff that when we get wrong harms people. So there comes a point when the truth needs to matter more. So, I, I mean, it specifically, I think it obviously is always going to depend on each specific situation, but mm-hmm. I think, I think in our, our culture today, we are far too afraid to say, well, this is wrong because it's uncomfortable <laughs> to make somebody feel bad about the truth. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. so if someone is a pastor or a teacher in the church do you think that's a situation where the truth just needs to come out immediately they need to be confronted about it
2: yes uh new believer there's not much danger there but right i would say a new believer you just i mean let's take kanye west for example (laughs) i mean he's in a place right now where he is able to teach a lot of people on a lot of different things and that's a very dangerous situation Mm -hmm. so new believers need to have a huge sense of humility and that's something we need to teach people to have is Mm -hmm. hey you don't know everything yet so preach the gospel but be, be humble and be able to say i don't know for the rest of everything else
1: until you know until you study these things and you learn. Yeah. And then with a the pastor, I mean, obviously if you, if this is a, if you're say you're a congregant of this church and this is your pastor, obviously you need to come to uh, come to, to him in absolute humility because you, you're under yeah. their authority. Yeah. Um, But it doesn't mean that you shouldn't also go up to a pastor and again, still following the teachings of Matthew to go to them one-on-one. And then with others and then for the church, you know, the whole whole shebang. Um, but uh, keeping in mind, not only that it is more serious if a pastor is doing this, but also you should come to it with more fear, with more fear and trembling, because if you, they're your pastor, then you're under their authority. So, yeah. But, hey,
2: if you say what you wanted to say and you were kind of mean about it and they end up not liking you, you can just leave the church, right? (laughs) Go to the next one.
1: Oh, boy. (laughs) I'm waiting for you to recant.
2: You mean repent? Yeah. Yeah, no, recant, but yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Sarcasm. Okay. Is that the only question that you highlighted in that yeah. first one? Okay. Well, let's go to chapter two then. So what's your, what's one of the ones that you highlighted in that one, Carly?
0: Uh, I just actually didn't circle any on this oh, one. Oh, really? I don't know why. I just didn't.
1: Mm-hmm. There was a couple of ones, a couple of chapters that I didn't circle any of the questions. So it's understandable. Mostly because I was running out of time and I just was flipping <laughs> through it really quickly. Um, I definitely use the like speed reading function on Kindle where it just like puts one word in front of you really rapidly. So you're just like reading it, but it actually, it works. Like you read through it pretty quickly, Um, That's weird. but yeah, it it took a little bit of getting used to, but um, so the one I, one of the ones I highlighted was what does it mean that God has spoken to us in baby talk in scripture? So he used the analogy of like, if you're trying to understand under, if you're trying to explain a kidney, to a, t- to a preschooler. What, what is a kidney? What is a human kidney? What does it do? It would be a very daunting task because there are a lot of <laughs> complex things that go on with a human kidney. And a preschooler is not going to be able to understand those things. And so you end up probably dumbing down what you're saying so that the preschooler can understand. And he made the argument that it's sort of what God is doing in scripture, not that he's like dumbing it down and making it worse somehow or whatever, but he's using human language and human language has its limitations in Get delivering to us an explanation of something as grandiose as the holiness of God. So even when we look in scripture and we see this is, you know, descriptions of what is the holiness of God, how can we understand what it means for God to be holy? We have to understand that this is a very, very small dumbed down idea compared to the actual weight of what it means to for God to be holy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's no no, that's for terror i the
2: the idea of yeah obviously the idea of god's holiness we're never going to fully understand that and um we can in in theory but not all the details or the the specifics of god's holiness Mm -hmm. um but and i mean the bible doesn't give us all of those details either yeah and that's that's kind of the point
1: <laughs>
2: is that we don't know yeah. all of the details to this, so mm-hmm. which which leaves more awe and wonder about God's holiness,
1: yeah, yeah. and that's, I think that's one of the points that I made earlier on in the podcast where we're thinking about um. The reason why theology is so great is because it's inexhaustible. It's because there's always something more to discover. Not that revelation continues or something, but you'll always find greater and deeper depths of the simple truths that are found in scripture by just studying them more and more. So. Cool. Cool. So we're just giving you a little sneak peek at the sort of stuff that's being talked about in this book did you uh highlight circle or highlight anything in chapter three the questions um i circled cha- uh questions two three
0: and five um did you I'd, have any of those
1: yeah i highlighted one two and four
0: okay
1: so what want to read at least two? talk about
0: two then yeah. Um, in light of the eternality of God's throne, how do we balance excitement and despair in political triumph or defeat? What about when facing a national tragedy?
1: So that's such a huge question. I know, right? Yeah. (laughs) This chapter, let's see, what was it about? It was, what was chapter three?
0: Untamable. holiness.
1: untamable holiness. (laughs) What a question. Say it again.
0: In light of the eternality of God's throne, how do we balance excitement and despair in political triumph or defeat? What about when facing a national tragedy?
1: Well, obviously, hashtag that post mill. Yeah. <laughs> is he post mill? No, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> but but I mean, ultimately, right? It's it's so because God's throne is eternal, and Jesus is King, as Kanye West so poignantly puts it. <laughs> um ultimately it doesn't matter who's president or when you have a national tragedy like 9 11 obviously those things can be horrible and a a government like collapsing can lead to a lot of like um death and destruction and bad things happening but ultimately all of these um earthly powers are subject to god and are required to submit to god's law and honestly a lot of times those sorts of things can be judgments by god because a a particular government is not actually following god right like a lot of times we think like oh man like uh the, the pro-life legislation didn't go through and all this stuff and you know, be, babies are still being murdered and and now we're getting all this you know liberal left uh, political stuff happening and and then it's just like okay yeah um did you ever consider that that might be because we deserve it um that the situation in our culture is so messed up that maybe god is particularly using those evil people to judge people in this nation and to lead them into the consequences of their sin and maybe maybe sovereignty of god works out such that even the political triumphs or defeats or national tragedies are all functioning as part of god's eternal sovereign plan to submit every enemy under his feet and to redeem and reconcile the world to himself
0: Mhm. <laughs> mic drop yeah
1: i, I don't have anything else to add to that
0: i mean if we look just to hit all of the make people mad topics um <laughs> if we look at the old testament and um when anytime women were in like a leadership role especially in the government like feminists and like egalitarians will use that as an example of like, see, God approves of this. But no, that was often a, a judgment because there weren't any suitable men that would step up and do the job. Yeah. Right. And so a woman took that role because there was no one else. And that was a sign of judgment upon that nation.
2: And, and and Deborah, it's interesting when I went and actually read that after the whole like knowing the egalitarian complementarian mm-hmm. debate, you go and read that and she goes to a man and says hey yeah. you're coming with me to <laughs> right to fight with me and and yeah. you can take the glory for it kind of a thing
0: mm-hmm.
2: that's what happens so she didn't what a, what even a feminist, be
1: like what a feminist deborah was <laughs> right you know what i mean like Not. it's I, i'm literally it's... just <sighs> that's i get frustrated i get really frustrated yeah because people are always constantly like Ah, Junia and Deborah and Mary and all these people. And I'm just like, have you actually read the accounts of any of, of these None of them women? would be
0: feminists. None <laughs> of them would
1: be. None of them in any way, shape, or form. Uh, anyway, this is a tangent. We don't need to get on right now. I, just, I don't know. I just randomly got mad, so I should probably just step back and not be mad.
0: We get on God is sovereign that question? Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any more questions you wanted to go over from chapter
1: 3? Which ones did you circle again?
0: Uh 2, 3, and
1: 5.
0: Mhm. Oh yeah, I particularly liked 3. Yeah, let's do it. Um it reminded me of a Andy Minio song. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but um what does it mean that God is good, but not safe? What comfort do you receive knowing the Lord of hosts is with us?
1: So in the book, Connor, they, uh, Alan Nelson argued that, um, God is good, but not safe in the sense that. Oh he, yeah. He's like a lion. He's like, Oh yeah. I mean, no, I that. Yeah. It's like Narnia. Exactly. Yeah. C.S. Lewis. Yep. Yeah. Right. I literally, there's literally a line in, uh, yeah. one of the Narnia books where it's like, yeah, that's in one of the reform con sermons that I've been yeah, listening to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you, so you understand. And just for those listeners, basically, it's like the quote goes like, oh, yeah, he, you know, Aslan is a lion. Oh, is he a safe lion? Oh, no, but he's a good – he's a good – you know, he's good, and he's the king. Um, right. So – He's like, of course he's not safe. He's the king, but he yeah. is a good king. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, well, I mean, what does it mean to know that God is good but not safe?
0: I mean, just knowing that – knowing our own depravity, knowing the depravity of mankind – god is good and he's shown abundant grace and mercy to us but to those who don't receive that to those who he has not given that grace he is terrifying yeah so um he he's good in that he punishes evil and he's not safe in that he punishes evil
1: <laughs> yeah and also i would argue that he's not safe in that he calls his followers to die to themselves and pick up right. the cross, right? Like, yeah, that's
0: too.
1: He's not... Right? Uh, it, the next part of the question is, what comfort do you receive knowing the Lord of hosts is with mm-hmm. us? So one of the things he kind of exposited a little bit was the, one of the names of God, which is the um, the Lord Sabaoth, I believe it's pronounced. Um, but it basically means the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies, the Lord of, you know, the angel armies or whatever. And it's... You know, a good kind of way to to sum up this idea is a general of an army is not going to keep you safe necessarily, mm-hmm. right? right? He wa- he wants to protect you in a sense like that. He he cares about the people under his, or if he's a good general, right? He cares about the um, the men under his jurisdiction, and he wants the army to survive and for the people to go home at the end of the war. But the main goal he has is to win the war. Um, And that is good for God because the end of the war is the redemption of his people and the uh, um, display of his glory. And so you go up to the general to enlist in the army and you say, hey, you are safe, general. And he's going to laugh at you (laughs) and be like, no, I mean, no, no part of this is safe. Like, that's not the whole point of any of it. Um, The point is that we're going to win and you want to be on the winning side. And there you go, I just made that up off the top of my head. <laughs> well, that was great. Thanks.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but are we gonna win, Caleb? I mean, I don't know. Oh Things just look I mean, pretty grim. Hashtag
0: right. dot post oh, though. Oh boy.
2: <laughs> I think I have seen that around before. I think it was
1: on my keychain or something. <laughs> yeah. I yep. don't remember. Hmm. <laughs> Any other thoughts on that question? I mean, what what comfort do you receive knowing the Lord of hosts is with us?
0: Except for either of us. <laughs> mm. I mean, knowing that, like, being sure in your own salvation is very comforting mm-hmm. because well, that's even true. though, even though, like, we're not guaranteed security in an earthly sense, like, we're called to die, literally. Um, we're guaranteed security in an eternal sense, which is way more important and way more comforting. <laughs> hmm
1: hmm There you go. Chapter four. Um, I highlighted two, three, four, and five on this one. I
0: had two and three.
1: Uh, well, let's go through those then. Uh. Question two says, discuss uh, Carnick's quote from the chapter. He that saith God is not holy speaks much worse than he that saith there is no God at all. Do you agree? Why or why not? So basically, someone who says God is not holy is saying something worse than someone says there is no God. Do you agree with that statement, Carnick? Say it one more time. The quote from Stephen Carnick is, he that saith God is not holy speaks much worse than he that saith there is no God at all. I mean yeah because because it's a distortion
2: of the truth yeah
0: yeah
2: lies are easier to uh identify than
1: distortions
0: mm-hmm.
1: and there's also the idea of blasphemy yeah um right like i mean claiming god is something that he's not is pretty serious i mean ultimately That it's it's part of the idea of at least the unforgivable sin, the whole like uh, claiming that God is that claiming that the work of like demons is God actually working, right? Like it's that sort of really really serious theological crime of lying about God, because if God is God, then he's the most important person, you know, being and lying, you know, spreading false false witness about a neighbor yeah. is bad enough, but yeah. spreading false witness about the god of the universe is worse.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. But you know, I guess there is no saying there is no god is also a te- i guess technically spreading false witness, but as you said, right. it's uh it's more it's easier to disagree and debunk a statement like there is no god than it is to debunked the statement god is not holy so it's also just kind of a more ridiculous statement Mm -hmm. true (laughs) the
0: fool says in his heart there is no god
1: (laughs) but saying that god is not holy is a little bit more insidious and
0: clever yeah it's it's a lot more intentional and intentionally deceitful
1: Mm -hmm. right Well, then we have question three. What is the relationship between God's unblemishable holiness and the gospel?
0: If God's holiness could be blemished, then we would have no real hope in the gospel. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also the gospel exists because of God's unblemishable holiness. Because God cannot break the law for love, as Stephen Furtick would like us to believe. (laughs) Um, He must keep the law for love, and that means Jesus has to die, and there you go. You have the gospel. Because God is holy and because he will not let sin go unpunished, he had to die in our place, take on the—be the propitiation, the wrath-absorbing sacrifice, um, and uphold both his holiness and his desire to redeem a people for himself. There you go. <laughs> on, we're getting we're getting through these quickly. Uh I have highlighted in chapter five, four, five, and six. I have seven. <laughs> seven? Yeah. In chapter five? Yeah. <laughs> Is there a seventh question on yours? Yeah. <laughs> What's the seventh question?
0: What elements should we desire in biblical preaching?
1: I don't have that one. I don't have a seventh question.
0: is number six. How should we use the good gifts of God to glorify him all the more? Hmm. Okay.
1: (laughs) That's so weird. Well, let's talk about seven then.
0: (laughs) Okay. What elements should we desire in biblical preaching, Connor?
2: What elements should we desire in biblical preaching? Yeah. What do you mean elements?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean... I haven't read this chapter in months. <laughs> okay, let me let me look
1: at and this again. Um So this is what is this chapter called? Unmatchable Holiness. There is no one like a God. And his holiness cannot be matched. And then I think he talks about um. Yeah. Here's here's one of the quotes that I I even I tweeted this one. Pastors preach God. I don't want to walk away from your sermon thinking about how funny or winsome you are. I don't want to be amazed at your creativity and innovation. Show me the holy and he will suffice. Yeah. So what does that mean practically though? How do how do how do people as people who are teaching or preaching properly preach the holy preach the i mean just by being god.
2: faithful to the word of god i mean you, it doesn't get simpler than that <laughs> you preach all of the the counsel of god you mm-hmm. don't you don't preach the parts that you think are more appropriate because god knows his sheep better than you do mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: that's fair yeah and and i what i mean that is you don't not preach uh like, you don't just be like, well, I'm just not going to preach on, um, well, what what I mean is, like, I'm not going to be like, oh, well, there's a problem of gossip in my church. I'm not going to specifically preach on gossip because blah, blah, blah. What that means is when you're going through uh, a sermon series on the book of Ephesians, you don't skip chapter five because you think you're, uh, the families in your church are too dysfunctional to kind of hear that right now. Or or you need them to hear a different idea of holiness first.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's often what i found in a lot of cases, unfortunately, um, is that I hear like, okay, so I looked at this chapter, and then here's what I think we should kind of take away from it. And like, I'm going right. to focus on this one verse in this chapter, and, that, and that's where we're going to build the whole sermon off of. Instead of just preaching through the chapter one verse at a time and just explaining what it all means, instead of, I mean... Y- Obviously, it's totally cool every once in a while to to just be like, hey, let's talk about this topic, and then here's some verses right. that reference that. But if you only do that, and especially if you just skip over passages as you preach through a book, you're going to leave your congregation with questions. And your job as a pastor is to answer those questions. It's to help them understand who God is and how you can serve him better. And you can only do that if you have all of scripture uh preached and that you know obviously that's a very daunting task and as a church you're never going to necessarily go through the whole bible but um you don't just skip over things because you don't think they're um topical enough
0: Mm -hmm. he's got a a set of paragraphs in this chapter that say i don't need life hacks i need to see I need to see the glory of the God of unmatchable holiness. Practical steps for Christian living have their place, but never let application overshadow overshadow exaltation. Preach the Holy One. We were made by God for God, and God is the one we need to see in your preaching. I'm not saying practical application is a bad thing. We should all eagerly desire to apply what the Bible teaches to every nook and cranny of our lives. But perhaps we would all be better served if we paused to humbly behold the matchless holiness of God before rushing on to practical application. Mm-hmm. and he says furthermore we don't really need to pit the holiness of god against practicality anyway the unmatchable holiness of god is practical this <laughs> I mean, condition yeah. must drive our preaching mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: because if we understand yep. the holiness of god then you understand who we are and then everything kind of just starts falling into place from there
2: yeah, i mean just consider <laughs> that every inch of scripture is important and then yeah. you just preach on that. It it shouldn't be a yeah. You shouldn't have to choose between the two.
0: Yeah. What other questions did you have in that chapter? Kid?
1: Um. <laughs> I really liked this chapter because it talked a lot about um, uh, worship and music and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing I'm passionate about. <coughs> so one of the questions was, how would we know whether or not our worship would constitute a stench in God's nostrils? How might we seek to prevent this? And I think he, in the, in the chapter, really just pretty succinctly explained this. And it was, mm-hmm. <clears throat> if the folk... It, it, I will I will never forget the the way he explained and talked about the passage of um uh from Revelation where the angels the the seraphim were hiding their face from God. Mm-hmm. Um it's such a cool passage because it's literally like he he explained like these are angels. These are like super cool beings and John describes them as these super cool beings and what do they do? They don't draw attention to themselves. They hide their face from God and they they the only thing they say is holy 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 right they they say you know they point to god and and basically it's like that is your role as the worship leader to to show i mean you can doesn't mean you don't dress well play well sing well do everything with excellence but your your goal in worship as as leading worship is to hide your face from the from so that the people aren't focusing on you you know, uh, not, not literally, but figuratively um, is to hide your face and you know, point to God. And if 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 what they remember from that worship service is, oh, wow, the music was really great instead of, wow, God is great. Then right. there's probably something wrong there. Um, that doesn't mean that, again, like if someone says, wow, the music was great today, that you instantly jump on them and be you've like, sinned. wow, right. you've just sinned. Because but, yeah. by that, they could mean like exactly
0: i was drawn to looking at god's holiness yeah. through the music today yes, exactly. <laughs> and they could also just be giving you a compliment of like you you played well today and that's yeah. not a bad thing
1: exactly but if but if the focus is wow we need to make the music better and greater and bigger right. and and play all the the coolest edgiest songs instead of the worship leader gets up there and says hey we're gonna sing to god hides their face and then leads mm-hmm. the congregation as a fellow worshiper in songs and then focus on God the rest of the time. Um, right, that's the ultimate goal. And I, I just really love the way that he explained that given the seraphim in, in Revelation 4. Mm-hmm. It was such a cool word picture. For me, As a, that's my job, is to be a worship leader. So, you have any thoughts on that, Connor? Keb you're a worship leader? Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we I mean, we did an episode on on worship music as well. With angel, yeah.
1: with angel (laughs) Angel. i legitimately (laughs) thought
2: yeah i legitimately was confused by that sentence because i was like (laughs) not with our friend angel (laughs)
1: right no speaking of angel just a really uh, a fun side note um did angel tell you about the podcast idea he had connor no so angel angel has a podcast idea called disagree with me and it's basically the whole point of the podcast is to get people who disagree on a topic and force them to talk it out um, in a respectful yeah, that and graceful good. manner. Um, and I'm like, yeah, bro, let's do it. Uh, like, let's, uh, let's, like, I'm legit serious. Like, we're gonna start a podcast, and he's been like making notes and doing research and stuff. And he was saying, like, even if I can't find anyone to like do it with me right away, uh, just like, there's, there's all this stuff we could go like going through an article and then explaining why we disagree with it and explain why. That sort of thing, but that's going to be another uh, podcast in the ever-growing media conglomerate that I am creating. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so Angel's excited about that. Sweet.
2: Uh, Yeah, no, I mean, nothing else to say about that. I mean, about the
1: worship leader thing. That's the point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) quiet.
0: What'd you have from chapter six?
1: Chapter six. I uh, highlighted two, three, and four.
0: Okay. I didn't circle any, so.
1: Uh, Okay. Let's see. What is the significance that God is called holy, 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 but never love, love, love? How should Hmm. we understand this properly without diminishing the wonder of God's love? So this is an, uh, honestly, this is an interesting question. And I I was hoping that he would actually uh, talk about this at one point. He never did, but I wish he would have. Um because more than almost more than anything else at the center of the wrongness of liberal theology any strand of liberal theology is people taking the verse in 1 John that says God is love, right? And running, and saying, and running and with saying it right. Go ahead. And, and, and saying that that then not only is god's love the
2: only important attribute but but it is more important than his other attributes yeah. as well right. and that's 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 <laughs> wrong <laughs> i mean like what what else can you say about that that's yeah. so it's it's just a direct disobedience of the idea
1: of everything in scripture mm-hmm. and so well one of the things that he he mentioned that, I mean, the whole point of the book is saying, listen, God, more than anything else, God is holy. And his holiness is the descriptor that helps us understand every other attribute. Um, more, more than anything, his holiness isn't even like a particular thing about him. It's just the thing that all of him is about, um, right? So all of his attributes are holy in nature. Um, and so, but I was hoping he would. he would... Go directly to that point of when people say God is love, because what they're what they're pointing out is saying, "Hey, listen, in script, in all of Scripture, there's never another thing that's, that that um, is said about that, because it's not saying God is loving; it's saying God right. is love. So that is right. the essence of who God is. Now, how do we respond to that if if we're trying to have this conversation about holiness and the attributes of God and who God is essentially? How do we how do we not fall into the same pit of God is love, and so we have to interpret everything in this one particular manner? What what's wrong about like how, how do we? I'm trying to think of is it wrong to say ah yes God is love exactly as the you know take this verse at face value, or is there another way to interpret that? Or and then how do we? talk about God's love in reference to his holiness and all that stuff. I'm just curious what your guys' thoughts are on that whole discussion.
0: Yeah. I mean, throughout the Bible, like that one passage is not the only place where the Bible describes God Mm -hmm. as, as something. Um, And so if we were to only take that verse and say, this is the only verse that can describe what God is, in the entire Bible that gives us all of these different descriptors of him and his character, then that would be really bad exegesis. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and so his, him being loved does not rule out him being just and holy and holy, just, and, um, and holy, just. I like that. Yeah.
1: I think she meant Um, the W.
0: Yeah. But yeah, same thing. Um, And, and like, like we're told and we're shown through the Bible that God is wrathful and he, you know, he has wrath for the unrighteous and he punishes evil. And so we, we can look just logically at the Bible and say, well, if all of these things are true about God, which they are all of these things that it's saying, then, These things don't contradict each each other. Right. Mm -hmm. They are compatible with each other.
1: How do we answer specifically the argument that because this is the only place in scripture that says God is something and not just is like something, like he is loving, he is love itself, like a, a noun, How do we, how do we, because that's the argument more than anything is because this is God, then we have to interpret everything from that standpoint and not from holiness standpoint, which is the argument of this book is we start with holiness and then we can see what all the attributes mean. Whereas someone on the other side of the fence would say, start with love and then you understand what all these attributes mean. How do you, how do you answer someone like that? Because I, I, we all know that's not the right way to do that, but how and why.
0: I mean, anyone making that argument usually doesn't take into account all of God's other descriptors. And so they, they see that and they're like, oh, God is love. And they understand the human sense of the word love. And they don't get that the whole picture of God being love involves him being just and holy and wrathful and um, all of the other things that people don't Usually put in the category of love.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And part of that was me like playing devil's advocate. Right. But um I think, even maybe a, a way to look at it based off of what you just said was the, I think the first thing, if someone said that to me, I think the first thing I would say to them is, What is your definition of love? And how do you get that definition right. of love? Right because yeah. i guarantee you it's going to be from their own human re- reasoning and yeah. not from scripture. And so, ultimately i think that's that's the sticking point is when we describe god as being anything, we have to take the context of how of, of what passage he's being described as that in and then how those attributes are considered in the light of the context of scripture as a whole to de- to to determine for ourselves what Love actually means, or grace actually means, instead mm-hmm. of just being like, ah, well, my 21st century context tells me that love is letting anyone do whatever they want. So I guess right. that's you know, God <laughs> is love. God is that. I guess that's what God is. Instead of saying, ah, God is love. I wonder what love is. Let's look According at scripture. To scripture. Yeah, yeah.
0: Because yeah. if it's scripture that's saying that God is love, why would we not look at scripture to see what love is? Yeah. To see what. Right. Th- Mm-hmm. scripture actually means by that yep
1: one of the first i think this might have been the first blog post i ever wrote like where it was like this is a, a theological topic i want to talk about mm-hmm. on like a, the blog that i had like forever ago and it was literally like um I, the title of it and i'm still i still like this title but it was god is love but love is not always nice mm-hmm. um because that was the thing that my particular friend group at that time was arguing with us about was (laughs) all the time, (laughs) all the time (laughs) is no, we just have to love people and God is love and all this stuff. And it's like, but what is love? You're not like your definition of love is coming from your feelings and not from scripture. And love is such a more fully encompassing thing than feelings or tolerance or whatever love is agape love is Mm -hmm. how god relates to humanity through his son um you know through his to to his redeemed people love is whatever god does you know for his for his people's good and his own glory and all of those things are what love is and so discipline is love you know uh Mm -hmm. Having patience with a pagan nation and not smiting them, even though he probably, you know, would, is also love, you know, this. it's just this whole, it's so much bigger than let people do what they want to do, so. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm just, I'm getting so many, like, high school flashbacks right now, Connor, <laughs> and I don't like yeah, it. Yeah, dude. I don't like it. I'm glad we're not in high school anymore. Yeah. Uh okay. Chapter 7.
0: I've just got one circled.
1: Uh, I have 3 and 6 circled. Let's see which is the most interesting. Yeah, let's do let's do question 1.
0: When a football player celebrates a touchdown, we say it's bragging. Why is it not wrong for God to celebrate who He is?
2: Uh, I explain this to my the kids in, in youth group all the time. Of like, uh, the 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 point of life, at the point of God's entire plan, is ultimately to bring glory to Himself. Mm-hmm. And it's well, why is that a good thing? Because if we're talking about, you know, like pride and stuff like that, like that's wrong for us, right? So why is it, why is it a good thing for God? Well, why is pride wrong? Because you're, you're basically, uh, and I explained it like this, like the, the idea of, well, somebody who is saying something truthful that actually happened that he did, you don't think he's prideful because, oh no, it's something that is true. But you talk about, um, you know, something where somebody is bragging and it's like, obviously this is an exaggeration or he's, you know, he didn't actually accomplish this thing and you think he's ridiculous. And so ultimately it comes down to, um, the reason that God, everything should be about God and that the whole world revolves around God is because he actually made everything and all the glory and honor <clears throat> belongs to him. Mm-hmm. And so it's not a bad thing for, for, for God to say everything is about me because mm-hmm. it's true. Yeah. And so like all of the honor and glory belongs to God. And so that's why it's, it's a good thing. That's why it matters. That's why it, 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 it's not a bad thing.
0: Yeah, and he's the only one that could ever say that too.
1: Right. Mhm. Yeah, I mean this has to do with um the thing John Piper's all about is, you know, uh God is about God and mm-hmm. right. He, everything he does is for himself, but that's good because God is the ultimate. Mm-hmm. God is the reason for everything. God is the center of all existence. He is the highest, the greatest pleasure and delight, and so obviously he would delight in himself. Because if he delighted in something else, that would be the thing we should worship. Right. Um, and so, you know, God celebrating who he is is just logical because he is the best. If he celebrated anyone else, he'd be lying, or he would be deluded, or something, right? Um, which is all out outside of God's character. And so, yeah, right. The football player celebrating a touchdown, over exaggerating, um, it's bragging because he's not actually that important. But God mm-hmm. celebrating his glory is perfectly appropriate because there's nothing else worth celebrating but God, mm-hmm. really. <laughs> or something related, you know, ultimately dependent upon God. Yeah. Um, you know, celebrating, oh, God gave me this thing is another aspect of that. But mm-hmm. ultimately, everything's about God. Right. I preached a whole sermon about this (laughs) cool yeah chapter eight unchangeable holiness I highlighted one two three and five
0: I had two and five
1: all right two what tangible application does God's unchangeableness have for our everyday lives In our Bible reading, prayer time, following Jesus, evangelism. Say that one more time. What tangible application does God's unchangeableness have for our everyday lives? In our Bible reading, prayer time, following Jesus, evangelism. I mean,
2: I would take that piece by piece. It helps you in your Bible reading because you know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And so you don't have to, to worry about God.
1: Changing his Having
0: mind. Having changed his
2: something. mind since then. Or, yeah. or reality changing since then. No, because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever.
1: God is not the God of Mormonism who changes his right. mind. Yeah. Whenever the Mormon council the... decides, like ah, right. we should not be homophobic anymore, I guess. Or god right. I guess God changed his mind about that. Mm-hmm. Or I guess we shouldn't be racist anymore because the culture doesn't want us to be racist. Or I guess right. we shouldn't marry multiple women anymore because the US government is threatening us. I guess God right. changes his mind about that. Right. I think it's so funny. um
2: and in evangelism I, I mean you have a uh a consistent message always mm-hmm. and you can you can right. talk to somebody and preach the gospel to them and they can be like wow that's exactly what this other christian said right and it's great that happened at uh, whitewater we used to talk to this guy every single day every single day we'd go to whitewater or every single like once every week we'd go to whitewater but every single time we were there um he would, he would come and he would talk to us for like two or three hours at least. And um, he kept, there were certain things where he would be like, oh man, like I've been talking to these Christians at uh, um, Mercy Hill in in Jamesville. And uh, he said the same thing. He said a lot Mm -hmm. of the same things that you said. And like, he mentioned that like at the end of like one of our conversations. And I was just like, Man, like he's just testing Christians. He's like <laughs> he he wants to know so bad, but he wanted to see if Christians agreed. He wanted to see if this was this was legit and to see if multiple Christians all believe the same thing. So that was really cool. Yeah. Um and so you have that that uh, benefit there. Um and uh, so you have you have a, a confidence then that only comes from I don't have like, that, that, that doesn't come from change. You have a confidence of this, this thing is, I'm secure in, in what I'm preaching. So what were the other
1: things? Uh, Prayer time following Jesus.
0: Nothing. I mean, with prayer, we know that we're, We're sure that we're not making our petitions to a God that, I mean, again, he doesn't change his mind. And so what he said about answering prayers is true, and we can depend on that. Mm -hmm. So
1: Mm -hmm. I think about like the difference if we were approaching and in like giving a request to an earthly king, right? Like maybe we Mm -hmm. could be like, ah, this is a good king, and he will like try to keep his word. And not change his mind. But sometimes humans just do. That's just the way that is. They will change their minds. They will realize they were wrong about something. They will... And then change... And your request goes unanswered, right? Like to this king. It's like, ah, I asked him to give me this land. And he said he would. But then this other guy who is more important than me asked for it. And then he's going to give it to that guy instead. But we know that the king that we are requesting something of is perfect and good. And not only um, will he you know uh not change in his response but also he will not he will not uh be treated like a genie and give us subpar things he will give us him which is the best thing and that's even if we don't even if we aren't asking for the right things right he helps us to to realize what things we should be asking for and then making us in mind as his will and all of that stuff Mm -hmm. um so best king 2020 (laughs) (coughs) <laughs> <coughs> hashtag jesus 2020 that's the, that's what i'm voting for what if i just did that what if i went and voted and i just said <laughs> jesus christ on the ballot mean, i'm sure other people kind of want to do that now
2: <laughs> I and mean, we could also look for an actually good candidate or we could just not worry about big politics and worry about <laughs> small politics like babies are murdered here too suggested yeah You watched that, Carly? Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. I still haven't watched it. No,
2: that wasn't like a thing of surprise. That was like, (laughs) I just wasn't sure if you had seen it yet. Right. Um, No, but uh, the thing that comes to my mind in, uh, again, in God's immutability is Hebrews 12 or 11. I think it's 11 where it's talking about all the people in the old Testament who had faith and were saved. I
0: think it is 11.
2: Um, yeah, it's 11. That, that passage is, is great mm-hmm. where you can see all these things in the old Testament and then have such confidence in your present because you can see how God was faithful to this people back then and, and have, you know, a confidence there. So that was something that, that I always, always thought of.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well I don't know if we want to go through every single chapter and do the questions. that's fair they're, <laughs> they're, uh, we We need to just leave something for them to actually a reason for them to go read the book I mean there's still plenty of reason to read the book we barely mm-hmm. touched the extensive stuff that it talked about but uh, maybe, maybe we'll just leave off there um, anyone have any last thoughts about this topic or the book no Great book, recommend it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yeah, it, it was a really good read. I gave it five stars. A good read, so you know it's definitely, definitely <laughs> good. Not that I'm like a super harsh critic or anything, but I kind of am. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not as harsh as I could be. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, so we will be giving away a free copy of this book. Woo. So, um. Mr. Alan Nelson IV will be sending it directly to you. Um, so what we're gonna do is, um, if you want, if you want to, just now, like, feel free and just like comment and be like, "Hey, I want to enter, be entered into this drawing," and then I'll post it. I'll try to get up, get it up tomorrow um, on YouTube and the podcast catcher, your favorite podcast catcher, um, and uh, you can find it on the website. Uh, or on um, on YouTube, and go ahead and find it, comment, like, subscribe, do all those things. But comment on there and say you want to be entered into the drawing, and we'll we'll do a drawing before the next episode of the Christian Artist, and uh, and then a uh, one lucky winner will get a free copy of this book. Uh yeah, and I guess you can technically just like message us or add us on Twitter or whatever. Just let us know somehow um that you want to be entered into this thing and then we'll uh we'll get get one of you uh, a free copy. Definitely highly, highly highly recommended and a good read. Uh, I don't recommend reading it in one day simply because there's a lot to absorb and it'd probably be better to read it in, over multiple days. But it is possible to read it in one day. I did find that out today. So <laughs> Uh, awesome. Well, you can find us on uh, Facebook at facebook.com slash Christian Artist Show on Twitter at Christ underscore art underscore underscore show or at our website at Christian Artist dot com. You can also support this podcast and the other stuff we do and uh, the upcoming podcast disagree with me, which I'm very excited <laughs> about. Uh, Angel and I are still in the, still talking about like what it's going to look like specifically, whether or not it's going to be like like the Christian Artist where we do a live or if it's going to be video at all, or just audio, or anything like that, we're still figuring out the details of that, but be on the lookout for that. But you can support that and the other stuff we do here uh, on Twitch, and that I do in general on the internet, uh, by going to patreon.com slash Powers. Right now, we I am posting every Monday a um, chapter from my uh, upcoming epic fantasy novel. I still have to do that today, and I will, I will do that, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't thought about it because all I've been thinking about is this book and being sick but um yeah you can go find that on there and then i also have music stuff and other things like that on there for you to enjoy as well and i'm sure i'll be posting other things on the patreon soon lots of fun stuff gonna, that are, it's going to happen when the new year new year hits it's going to be a little bit, bit of a rebranding and some new fun stuff is going to be coming your way here on the twitch and uh, my website is going to be going live again. There's going to be a lot of fun stuff on there. I'm really excited about all the stuff I'm going to put on there. But uh, real quick before we log off, just a quick shout out to my patrons, such as Curly Pinch, Ethan Stolzfuss, Josh Vincent, Alyssa Alby, and Emily Valdez. Thank you all for your support. And uh, thank you guys for listening, for watching. And I am incredibly surprised at how coherent and on top of things <laughs> I have been in this episode, despite being deathly sick. And not deathly, but I I feel miserable. And uh, having just spent the entire day reading this book, I thought I was going to be brain dead, but I wasn't. So that's nice. (laughs) I definitely don't want to talk again the rest of the night, but probably still will. That's it. We're out.